the Lord. Amen. Uh, Brother Dean's been a good friend to me and my family and my pastor for a long time. And uh, my pastor's pastor, Brother Ed Maccabee's already went home to be with the Lord. And so my pastor has adopted him as his pastor. And uh, I thank God for his influence in my life. And uh, thank God for his for him being here tonight. Amen. Uh, you ha uh, you've got your Bibles ready, your good King James Bibles ready. Let's get ready to hear from the Word of the Lord. Amen. Preacher, you come. Give us what the Lord put on your heart. Everybody that loves the Lord, say amen. amen. <clears throat> Take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 10. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? <clears throat> Matthew and the 10th chapter. Lord, we do thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for help from another world. Thank you that your son came the first time and he's coming back the second time. What a blessed hope, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for daily joy. And Lord, thank you that you're the I am, not the I was only and the I shall be only, but the I am. You're right here, right now. Lord, and that gives us new joy every day. Lord, thank you for helping us. Bless Brother Lawson. Make this weekend meeting and these uh, three days of assembly. Lord, make them exactly what you intend for them to be, Lord. And we sense great victory and great power uh, on the way. Lord, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name that we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord. Before I read the text, tonight I, I want to preach for 20 minutes. And I want to do that so bad I may do it three or four times right in a row. I love preaching 20 minutes. And now like when I get done, I want to do it immediately again, preach another 20 minutes. And uh, amen. How you doing, preacher? Good to see you. I love you. Good to see you. God bless you. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for your pastor. He's one of the most special young men that I've encountered in my ministry. And uh, I recommended him to the first church and uh, got him in a good boot camp so y'all could have a good pastor. And that's how much I think of him. And I put his name in when they asked me, one of the best young men in America, I feel. And I thank the Lord for your pastor. I, uh, he took that nursing home ministry and took it seriously. Uh, back in the day and had revival and 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 that's when I knew if a man can be faithful in little things if little things are a big deal God will give you a big deal and you'll never know you did anything different and you won't be caught up in the pride that, that a novice is caught up in and uh, he is uh, turned into uh, a wonderful man of God for y'all. And I, and I love this church. And I think about these two Joshes here. Uh, Brother Montgomery, I, when he was a teenage boy, just special to us. And uh, these two Joshuas sitting on the front row here. Uh, Brother Montgomery is very precious to my heart. I, I claim him as a son in the faith. And he has other spiritual fathers that were there before me, but that's how special he is to me. 
And uh, both of these men have uh, something in common, and it's rare. Young men that loved God when he didn't have to, when nobody else was wanting to, and obsessed with Jesus. Oh, I like it. You know where these men are going when you get that much of a head start? You know where they're going? When they get that much of a head start. Most men of God don't get going till they're in their 30s. Some of them 40s. And when you get started that early, well, you look at David. God has great things in mind for these men. And I thank the Lord for it. Brother Jason, would you stand up? This Brother Jason Thomas, y'all probably know him. Missionary to Mexico. Uh, God called me to a little church in the swamp when I was 21 in North Florida. And there was a young preacher boy in that church, my age. And I guess my age. I'm 51 now. What are you, Brother Jason? Yeah, it's just two or three years I pastored from age 21 to 29. He was the associate pastor. And uh, he was the only preacher boy at the church when I got there. And I was just a preacher boy at age 21. And we finished Bible college together and been together now. Uh, I was 20 when I met him. We've been together 31 years serving the Lord. And uh, we used to ride in my the church bought me a vehicle, and we went to school in that. Drove 45 minutes to Bible college, and I, we were both glad they got me something because he had a big old red Ford pickup truck, and that thing was so long. The nose would sit in one county, and the tailgate <laughs> be in another county, and blow exhaust into a third county when we left. And uh, one of my dearest friends on the face of the earth, and he's always been humble. And I'm going to tell you, um, I pastored there, and it was, uh, we was all in the swamp out in the country. It was a First Baptist Church. It was an independent. It had been a Southern Baptist. It was so old, it was an independent, then a Southern. It was started in the late 1800s, and they were almost older than the Southern Baptists. And it's been several things, truth be known. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, uh, we would go to the steakhouse on Sunday. And it's and it, probably best not to go to restaurants on Sunday, but I did. I never thought about it. And, uh, but uh, if I pastor it again, I might not. I might not. I might. I run into a big old church, and, and they don't go out on Sundays. Y'all may not, but, uh, boy, it's a holy thing. The church families cook, and they have the preacher over. That may have been my motivation in that. They had to. <laughs> but uh, we would go to the steakhouse, and he worked in those years pushing buggies down at the food line grocery store. And I was a full-time pastor. And they'd come up, oftentimes they'd come up to us and say, Hello, preacher. And they weren't talking to me. Amen. They were talking to him. And uh, that's wonderful, ain't it? That's something real right there. Amen. He served the Lord and had a testimony. Anyway, it's great to see him. He's here on furlough. I hadn't seen him 
in a couple of years. And it's good to see you, Brother Jason. And if y'all don't support him, y'all ought to uh, do it by faith. And some of y'all ought to take him on individually. Great missionary. There's a lot of folks that start out in this, but they don't end up in this. Somebody's been at it over 30 years. They're worthy. They're worthy. Amen. Toss me my water. I might need another one. I've, I've kind of sipped on that one. Man, that's a little, that's a Southern Baptist Methodist contemporary. Yes. Oh, I got a feeling he's going to bring me a five-gallon bucket now after I've said that. That's a 20-minute bottle. See, you do it. I need four more of these. Amen. Thank the Lord. Here comes the pastor. He's doing something. Now we got a double barrel, 60 minuters. Yes, neighbor. Thank you, preacher. Thank you very much. Have y'all found Matthew 10? All right. The Lord will help me out. Been several things said here about tonight, about the assurance of salvation, several songs and several thoughts about it. <clears throat> and I'll make two or three quick little comments. Everybody I've ever seen that was trying to find the assurance of their salvation need to quit looking. They'll come up to me and say, Preacher, I just need assurance of my salvation. I said, well, you just got it. Did you not hear yourself? <laughs> My salvation. <laughs> They're not a sinner alive claims he has salvation. <laughs> and people who wrestle with the assurance of their salvation... Generally speaking, in my experience, they'll never get their assurance in a service. They'll get it in a scripture. Services are too confusing to them. They'll never get it in a service. They'll get their assurance in a scripture. Out there, somewhere by themselves, under a tree or behind the barn or in the basement or on the way to work. And it'll have to be because when you got salvation, you got to work out your own salvation. You can't help people looking for assurance of salvation. The more you talk, the more confused they get. They've got to hear God talk and they can't hear none of the rest of us. Mark her down. Mark her down. And he's not playing mind games with anybody. Well, the Lord's put it in my heart to come to Matthew 10. And Lord, we'll just trust you to help us. I hadn't studied this, hadn't looked at it in two years, but the Lord put it in my heart in the afternoon today. He just mentioned it to me. I didn't even look at it, but then in the, on the front bench tonight, I'm going to call it a bench, but uh, on the front pew... I'm going to call it a pew. Uh, I refuse to acknowledge I have chairs in front of me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the Lord put it in my heart. And so if the Lord will help me, I want to preach on the original Great Commission. 
Would you look in Matthew 10, verse 1, when he called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power. Aren't you glad he gave them power? Amen. And you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And it's not to be charismatic and have wigglies up your spine and see visions. It's to walk with God. Right. It's to overcome the devil. Right. It's to overcome the flesh. It's to have the power to be a witness in this world. Isn't that good? He gave them power, look at here, against my little old effeminate contemporary generation. They just want to be for things. They don't want to be against anything. Positive thinking. Well, he gave them power against. And you better have that power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal. Notice the casting out's got to take place before the healing. Oh, y'all ain't helping me. You got to cast out devils before any healing can come in. They got called me into some of these churches and they want a revival and I said, well, sorry, you need a revolution. It's going to take a revolution before you can have a revival. Power against. And there's a casting out before a healing can come. Amen. I got news for you. You better get the devils out of here before you're going to get the Holy Ghost in here. You got to confess them sins before you can know something about cleansing them sins. Mm, isn't that right? Okay. And then he named them and told us who they were. And then in verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go! Now look at there. The original Great Commission. Now we like that final Great Commission in Matthew 28, don't we? And I like it. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. But you know this go came first? Now he sent them here into the... Uh, they actually were sent out into the uh, Gentiles. There is a dispensational truth right here. This is the Jewish Great Commission, and then that Matthew 28 is for the Gentiles. Do you know, this may be the... I'm calling it the original Jews and then Gentiles. Mm. This is where my 20 minutes gets messed up right here. Me and you are living in an hour. Hey, you ought to pinch yourself, click your heels, get your rapture shoes on. We fitting to leave out of here, church. You and I are living on the other end of that Jew-Gentile thing. The Jewish nation rejected him, so he turned to the Gentiles. We are flat out living in an hour where the Gentile nations have finally rejected him, and he's turning back to the Jew. Right. Hmm. 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 This Corona business. Y'all know what Corona means, preachers. You're not allowed to play, especially you two. All they do is study and listen to preachers. Y'all are not even allowed to listen to this sermon, and neither one of you. Y'all know what Corona? I'm coming over here. Y'all know they look. <laughs> corona. I think it's a Latin word. Crowning. That's right. Crown. Coronation. These are coronation days. Mm. That's going to give myself 15 more seconds right there. These are crowning days. 
I believe that all of the 1900s is, is, was uh, shutting down the Gentiles and then opening up the Jews. All the 1900s were. And, uh, and now you and I, God, I'm going to save it. I, I got seven seconds left in my 15 seconds. Y'all help me right here now. I believe God has lifted a crown off of America. And a dark green demonic cloud has swooshed in. Fills the air. Going to whisper something to me and y'all tell me if it makes sense. Don't y'all feel a weird strangeness in your spirit? That you've never felt? For one, we're not used to being a communist nation. We've been quite the opposite. And overnight, we almost became China, communist China. And if they elect you-know-who, this thing, he's already in there with communist John. Everything God ever judged, he sent to the Far East, and everything that ever came from hell came back from there. Y'all ain't helping me. Okay. I believe that for the first time in our lives, we're living in a pagan country. I believe a strong case could be made for the fact that we have lived in a Christian nation. Come March, I think God lifted our crown off of us. Crown of glory, crown of righteousness. Done with America. You say, well, that hurt my feelings. I'm sorry. I ain't got nothing to do with your feelings. You get the F-I-L-L-I-N-G, you won't have so much of them F-E-E-L-I-N-Gs. That's right. Yes, sir. He spelled it. He got it right there. You get, a, you get the right feeling on the inside from the Holy Ghost, and we won't have near many problems with your feelings. Amen. Got news for you. God doesn't wake up in heaven and pledge allegiance to that flag. God don't wake up in heaven and pledge allegiance to any flag. He's got one banner, and he's waving it over us. His banner over me is love. Amen. That's right. The nation's red, but as a drop of a bucket in it. Everybody I ever found out all worked up about God and country wasn't much of a Christian. Some of them was, now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Fixed that, didn't I? But I'm talking about this crowd that gets more worked up about a prayer at Friday night football, a prayer at NASCAR on Sunday. Let me tell you something. Everybody's getting drunk and acting like fornicating heathens on Friday night at the football game. Y'all ain't helping me. And y'all not do nothing on Sunday but go to church. You'll not be out there with a gambling beer drinking outfit on Sunday praying over NASCAR. It's almost like the devil praying over a bar or something. Yeah. <laughs> if I thought I could think of something better, but that's what came to my <laughs> These guys think for me these days. <laughs> oh, I got news for you. You're living in a strange land. Yes, that's why it's a strange feeling. Sure, sure. It's in Psalm 137. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Yes. And Psalm 138, they couldn't go to church. They had to pray towards it. I will pray toward thy holy temple. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down. Hanged our harps on the willows. What about it being against 
against the law to sing in California, Michigan. Do you see where the California governor put the dictates out two days ago? He said, if you're going to sing, you got to wear your mask and sing below speaking level. I'm liable to get on that Pacific Highway. I got get me a megaphone. I may plug in George Beverly Shays singing the 99 and just ride all over California and lip sync. I may lip sync behind the steering wheel and have George Beverly Shays singing on the thing out there, right there. Amen. I ain't gonna tell you what I'm gonna do to you little sign before I leave. It said Gaither when I first sat down there. Lord, I'm calling Pastor Wampler. He's got theater chairs and a Gaither poster on the front of the thing. I'm calling Pastor Wampler. I'm calling him before midnight. I'm reporting on you. Lawson, I'm turning you in. I need bifocals. I thought the thing said Gaither. I nearly walked out of the meeting. So then I thought I'd put a little I before I left between your A and T, and I was going to see if you noticed it. <laughs> but now I've said it, and I can't. Corona! He's lifted a crown off this nation. And, 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 and hey, 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 don't act like God's upset about it. Oh, I've lost America. Jesus didn't die for America. That cross wasn't for America, so you could continue to have good taxes and apple pie, baseball, Chevrolets. He didn't die for Norman Rockwell's America. He died for sinners. And it was always his plan to bring the nations together in judgment. And he's got them on the same page now. All on the same page. Yes. Yes. This was a Jewish commission to right. go to the Jews. And then Matthew 28 was to go to the Gentiles. Right. And there's an original one. There's a little one before this one. Mm. It's Pastor Appreciation Month, October. And I hope they've done some things for you. And if they hadn't, I hope they will now. Pastor Appreciation Month all over the country. Do you know them original Christmas is coming? It's my favorite Roman Catholic pagan holiday. <laughs> my, yes. I observe it all with, a di with, with, little, with little disclaimers. I do every bit of it and say, but this ain't Roman Catholic what I'm doing. No, 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 no. And, and somebody said, you going to observe Christmas Day? Well, do you observe Sunday? The sun god? Moon day, the moon god. Thursday, that's Thor. That's my favorite one. Lightning bolts. I love some Thor day. I love preaching on. This is Thor's day right here, ain't it? No wonder. No wonder we're all a little off kilter tonight. This is a storm just came through and soared. I give myself sixty seconds to mention this. Y'all go look at it. The Christmas story. Mm. Who'd he show himself to before he showed himself to anybody? Shepherds. And they were in the same country. 
shepherds. It's a five-point sermon we just brought up. What were them shepherds doing? Hey, hey, hey. There was a small group of shepherds taking care of their flocks the first time he came. You think there will be a small group of shepherds? Sure. Most of them going to apostate with this contemporary movement. Right. You think there will be a small group of shepherds second time he comes? And you go look at that verse sometime in Luke 2. Look what they were doing. They were in the same country, shepherds. Abiding. That's a spirit-filled term. Abiding. In the field. In their field. They knew they didn't just have a flock. They had a field. And I challenge all my preachers in the building, don't ever forget, this ain't just about a flock. It's about a field. The sinners in the surrounding 60 miles right here is as much your responsibility you'll give account for as the saints. Abiding in their field, keeping watch over their flock. I love the last two words. By night, by night. He said, it was dark. I'm about to run. I remember the last time I preached there, I nearly hurt myself. We're right back in the same gear. Crazy man done took half a lap and got all the devil. The devil's left the building. They got scared. They wasn't sure what that man starting to foam in the mouth. They just left the building. It was, it was dark the first time he came. It'll be dark the second time he comes. And you know what they said? Are you over there in Montgomery? I told you you wasn't allowed to listen to the sermon tonight. And here's what you need to go to. And here's the first great commission. When they told each other, oh, they went and seen him. And in the middle of verse 15, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go. And let's tell everybody what we've seen. The Son of God, the Savior. That's what you've been doing in Mexico, Brother Jason. That's what I've been doing in the highways and hezes and in our little World Harvest Baptist Missions. Just some shepherds. And what about that? They gave the Great Commission to their self first. They said, let us now go. <laughs> Why don't y'all tell each other to get something started for the Lord? Let us. They know he's a baby in the manger crying. So they told each other. Let's go tell everybody what's happened. <laughs> Woo! Why don't y'all make Christmas spiritual in, in, in a month? It's the most unspiritual month every church has. It's the one month everything goes cold, goes carnal. You got to have your Christmas play and your Christmas party, and I had them. And, uh, but it, and, and everybody uh, quits tithing and starts shopping. Help me now. And uh, runs their credit card up and gets all in a mess and, and has to go see relatives <laughs> that they wish they wasn't relative to. Help me now. Now, half of y'all are kin. Y'all watch out how you say amen now. It's weird going to church with your family. Yeah, just put a yee-hoo on it, brother. Amen. You can't even say amen right there. Yeah, you got to move halfway across the state. You can just shout it out. 
Oh my. Why don't y'all make Christmas spiritual? Shake the sentimental part of it off, which is the part I like. <laughs> and and shake off the secular part of it. Yes, sir. Yes. And make it spiritual. Oh my. Lord, I help you do that. That was the first, first great commission. Now go back to the other, and I'm going to give you these thoughts, and I'll be done. Now I just want to preach for 20 minutes. <laughs> I did it once. Told you it was a good time. Let's do it again. Gaithers will be here next month. Look. Let me come back when they do. I'll sit in your theater chairs. With the Gaithers. I hope that hippie's here. I'll sing hi with him. You're going to have to make all kinds of disclaimers for a month. I love this. Let me, let me shoot it at you straight. Y'all ready? There's four goes. That's why, that's why the Lord showed it to me. Here a while back, I couldn't, I couldn't believe I'd missed all them goes all these years. Verse 5 says, go what? Go not! Verse 6 says what? But go Rather, verse 7 says, as you go, what? Go preach. Mm. And then at the end of verse 11, he said, and there abide till you go thence. Okay. There it is. There's the four. Go not. Go rather. Go preach. Until you go thence. Oh, thank the Lord. There's the original Great Commission. You want to talk about all four of them? All right, here they go. Let's do it rapidly. Let's see how the Lord let me work through these. Go not. Ain't nobody wants to deal with a negative. Do you know when the first go comes in your life? It'll be a go not. You can't ever go preach until you go not. You'll never find the go rather till you deal with the go not. Right. Go not is when God breaks your will. Sure. Right. Go rather is when he shows you his will. That's right. right. Oh, y'all ain't helping me. Did not Abraham have to cast out Ishmael? Yes, sir. Before he could offer up Isaac? And then when he offered up Isaac, the Lord didn't make him kill him. And he said, here, we got something. Let's do something else. Rather, let's put this lamb in your place, this ram caught in a thicket. Did not Jesus have to tell the devil no in the wilderness before he could even tell God yes in the garden? Do you know you're going to have a cast out before you have a healing? You're going to have a not before you have a rather. And can I tell you the will of God is worth it? Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritan you not. And there's dispensational truth there. He came into his own, his own received him not. Then they went back around and invited everybody, whosoever will. Right, right. 
That's why we're no Calvinists, because he said, whosoever will. Your New Testament said it five times, and he wasn't fooling, and it wasn't a fraud. That go not. And, I, and I'm ready to go to the go preach. Let me just tell you something. The Lord will come in there and see if you'll respond with a lot of no's. You got to say no to the world. You got to say no to the flesh. He's going to put some knots in your life right. until you have the go not. Yes, Lord. Abraham had to get back up out of Egypt. Right. And then the Lord told us, go not down into Egypt. Woe to them that go down to Egypt for anything. Go not. Oh, my. Mm. Boy, I'd like to illustrate it and stay here for an hour. And I'm going to tell y'all something. You'll never get to go rather until you s obey the go not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's a go rather. Oh, his plan's better than ours. His wisdom's better than ours. His way is better than ours. Thank the Lord. Go rather. Mmm. Heard about the little boy went down to the general store with his mama back in the old days when they had that glass counter and all that candy for a penny, three-cent candy, five-cent candy. The ten-cent, man, was stuff that lasted for three days. Some of y'all old enough to remember that. Back when candy was good and cartoons were good. That's what's wrong with America. Right. Our candy's no good and our cartoons are no good. <laughs> Don't write that down. That's not, that's not quotable. <laughs> Scratch that out. But it's still the truth. And the little boy standing there and his mom and the big old grocery store man come by and said, Son, your mama comes here all the time to shop. Won't you just, the little boy was looking at that candy in that counter. Said, son, pull that old glass thing back. Just reach in there and get you a handful, son. Stick it in a paper bag. I'm going to give it to you. He didn't do a thing. Well, go ahead, son. And I know y'all have heard this before. Go ahead, son. It's all right. Take it. I want you to have it. Mama came over in a moment, done with her shopping. Son, it's okay. The man said, well, the little boy just put his hands in his pocket and stayed right in front of that candy. Until that grocer man, who had big old hands, great big man, he reached down in there and got a handful and stuck it in a paper. <laughs> and they got out in the car. Son, why didn't you? Mama, I seen his hands was a whole lot bigger than mine. And I knew if I waited on him, he'd give me a handful out of his hand. I'm going to tell you all something. The rather is worth it if you'll go with the knot. John Mark was told you can't go this time, but later on he was told, now bring him on in. Oh, my Brother Jason, you might remember, I hope you don't, that first year I pastored. And there was that uh, uh, pretty brunette, 
and sweet girl, but and she had eyelashes that she'd flutter them in Arkansas and in Tennessee. The little breeze would pick up at the, them little, and uh, and she was just as cute as a whistle and fluttered them eyes at me. And she fluttered them one time, and I tried to tell the parents, I don't even believe in speaking in tongues. And I started immediately right in the Baptist church. She moved to the front row. She was a back rower. She moved to the front row, became a front rower, and a flutterer, a flutterer of long eyelashes. Good night. I seen a thing in the airport last week. Had eyelashes that could support a small immigrant family. They could <laughs> actually like could sit on top of it and wave. I mean, scared me. Oh, she fluttered them eyelashes. And I told God I found his will. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Lord, I see it. You put it right in front of me. Thank you and amen. <laughs> I think we talked for a couple of weeks. Then we go to Ralph and Rebecca's for supper every Sunday night, Brother Jason, and uh, a bunch of us. We was, oh, Lord, we talked a couple of weeks. And then was talking on the phone. And I think she thought she had me hooked in. And tone changed a little bit. And she said, it's only been about 10 days. And she said, now, I, <laughs> she throwed that rosy old Donald, Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, Ellen DeGeneres hip out there about seven months. She throwed it out there and put a hand on it. We were on the phone, but I know she did. <laughs> I felt it when she done it. Now, said Jezebel, I will marry a preacher. I still finishing college, hadn't even gotten married. She said, I will marry a preacher. But I've always wore a tooth. I never heard it all. Because somebody slammed the phone down. Yeah, it was my hand. <laughs> I looked at my arm, my elbow, and they were telling my hand, and it was like, I want to hear what the rest of her said. But she said, BAM! <laughs> I picked it back up. I know she wasn't there, but I hollered at her. <laughs> you know the problem with these things is you can't slam them down. Well, you can, but I mean, they'll still be on there if you don't swipe with three buttons and enter a password and thumbprint, call Apple and verify. <laughs> then you could hang up the ridiculous thing. In those days, you had them, them cords that went, you know, through the entire house twice. I slammed that thing. I'd waited my whole life. I'd been filled with the Holy Ghost since 13. I'd had men warn me for a decade that one of them's coming and you better hang up Amen. on that. Amen. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. She fluttered, see. But there was another fluttering in my heart. It's dove wings. Holy Ghost. There's something fluttering down in my heart, not just fluttering my little eyes. Y'all ain't helping me. She was a good girl, but she wasn't a God girl. Brother Jason, they told me about two years ago. I don't even know if you know who I'm talking about, but they told me how that story turned out. And the words, divorce, adultery, drunk, them were the words. 
divorce, adultery, drunkenness. And she was pretty. And she was not beautiful. And I, God said, go not. And I went not. And the Lord told me that same week, Boaz, stay in your field. And in a little while, I'll bring Ruth to the corner. And I never prayed for a wife. Never did. I've never prayed my whole life. I was too young when I met her. And then when he told me, Boaz, just stay in your field. In a little while, Ruth will be in the corner. And I never had to pray for a wife. I just had to wait for her. And Brother J.C., remember that Jimmy Clark revival in February where he came and preached maybe in 92? And God kept saving people for months and months. God kept saving people. Mm. That's after we emptied the whole church account and gave it to a missionary from Amazon. I don't know if you remember that. Jim Shaw, been at Amazon 24 years, come by the church. We had several thousands in there. Lord said, give him all you got. I'm not a dictator, I'm a shepherd. I asked the church. I said, church, the Lord's told me to give this missionary everything we own, in the, all the money. And they just shouted, didn't they, brother? They just shouted. We done had revival. We wasn't having no fusses. We did. They just shouted, come off their feet shouting. Remember I told Sister Janice, we kept the books at the church, and that's where they ought to be kept. And probably three or four men over them, not one old woman. That was totally free. I have no idea. I done seen your Gaither poster. and I... That's exactly right. I don't know how y'all do it, and I don't want to know. Don't tell me. But if somebody's taking the books home with no accountability, that's so out of order. The books ought to be at the church with about four men looking at them all the time. That was totally free. But it'll save you thousands. <laughs> Ask a man. 250,000, that one man. The other one, 2 million. Another man, 2.2 million. Y'all would not believe how much embezzlement and fraud goes on. And it goes on a lot of time with family. Well, we're going to let Aunt Sally keep the book. She's good at it. And then Aunt Sally starts taking it home. And then her son starts stealing it. Y'all ain't helping me. I'm telling y'all, it's when churches are kin to each other and let somebody keep the books. We kept the books at the church. Had three men count and two other men deposit. And two other men signed checks. And none of those men were the same men. And a monthly statement on the back. Every month. Every penny in, every penny out. For seven and a half years, I was never accused of touching the money. It was only after I resigned and left. <laughs> I recommended him to be the next pastor. They went for that for about 10 minutes and said, nope. <laughs> and then a month later, all the wolves came back and they said, I'd steal in the money, but never received an accusation while I was pastor. 
What about that? Well, I told Sister Janice that day, bring the checkbooks in here. I hollered out in the crowd, who's worked at a bank? How much we got to leave in there so they don't penalize us for reopening the account? $15. And we wrote the missionary, gave him all of our money except $15. And the evangelist came in a week or two, and God saved a young woman who had just started coming. And, and Miss Rather walked in the door. And I prayed with a woman this morning. Yeah, it was her. And I FaceTimed her twice today. Mm -hmm. She wasn't drunk and we'd not had no adultery. Y'all ain't helping me. And we texted while I was stuck on the on y'all's on y'all's interstate from purgatory. <laughs> there should not be large concrete nothings in no interstate. That's not where they belong. They belong somewhere around a prison or around a bank, not not in the middle of an interstate. There's a lot of things wrong in this state. There is. There is. There's one of them is you grow in concrete in the middle of the interstate. And she walked in. God saved her. She walked in back in the corner, too. Lord said, inside of me. He elbowed me from the inside. Hurt a little bit. <laughs> That's her. She came four weeks on Sunday morning, came back the fifth Sunday on Sunday night, and got gloriously saved. She'd never been around church. She shouted 20 minutes, and the rest of us shouted two hours. He can verify that. Mm. I'm glad because he said, go not. I said, all right. He said, go rather. And I said, okay, I'll wait on that. And my story as I stand before you at 51 does not contain, my story doesn't contain the words divorce, adultery, drunkenness. Amen. Amen. It contains the word marriage, which sometimes makes you want to get drunk and commit not adultery, but commit murder. Can I get a witness right there? No, <laughs> wise man, wise man. Yes, sir. Old Berman Cape Sr. said, he's married 62 years when he said it. He said, me and my wife have never went to bed mad at each other. And a bunch of spiritual preachers, amen. Then he said, now there's a lot of nights we didn't go to bed. <laughs> oh, let's go look at the third one. If you'll obey God when he says go not, you'll get the blessing of getting go rather. I'm going to tell you something. God's rather is a whole lot better than anything you could ever thunk up. Then he said, go preach. I'm going to remind you that's what this is all about. Preaching that gospel till he comes again. Folks, we've only got 70 years if he's merciful to us. We ought to be about the Lord's business. Any church, Brother Lawson, that just gets their eyes on the flock and forgets the field, God cannot give you his power. You won't do nothing with it except act silly with each other. And then any church that, that has their eyes on the fields... And a lot of them churches that only have their eyes on the field, they don't even know what a flock is. Right. 
They don't know how to have that internal ministry and that external ministry. But where to go preach? Paul said, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross. Oh, and then he said, go preach. Thank God, aren't you glad for the gospel message? It's the most powerful thing on the face of the earth. That's our business. Preach the gospel. Go preach. Mm. We probably need a foreign missions revival in our churches. Somebody says, well, I'm not called. I'm not sure. About that. I don't think you ought to ask the Lord, should I go? I think the church ought to be, no, should, should I stay? He told us 10 million times to go. You ought to be asking, should you stay? That ought to be praying for the Lord's will. You ought to be going and Him make you stay. Oh, I believe a man is called to preach. I'm talking to all Christians and all preachers. Since when did God build a fence around America, even though we're trying to build a wall? You know, and I'm for that, whatever. But When did God build a fence around America and said, that's heaven, that's heathen pagan land? Y'all know this is a mission field. We're living, we're just been on it several generations. The gospel came over here. Oh, y'all ain't helping me. Jerusalem's home base. Mm. We're almost the uttermost parts. Got here last. <laughs> oh my. Go preach. I'm reminded of the two Moravian brethren, Paris Reed Head. If you have an hour, and if you love the Lord, and if you've ever been involved in ministry, and everybody here has been given a ministry and a field, and it ought to be your mission. You say, I ain't been called to preach. Have you been saved? He puts you in the church. Right. You have a gift. You have a function. You have a ministry. Right. This is your field. Right. What kind of a missionary are you? What kind of a missionary are you? Won't you write a newsletter once a month and send it to the church? Tell them what you've done for the Lord. Give us a report. Oh, I know you're in the pews with us, but it'd do you good. Make yourself accountable. Give us a report how you've done this month. This is your mission. This is your field. Well, I'm an American. I've not been called to go anywhere. You're a Christian. You've been called to go to the where. Right, right. Right. Amen. Mm. Them two Moravian brethren, Paris Reedhead, told the story. Back in the days when Great Britain was the ruling world empire, and one of them Pacific Islands had an English lord over it, an English duke. And he had about 2,000 slaves. He had great plantations. I think he was growing sugar. But he owned this island. And he was an arrogant atheist. You go listen to Dr. Paris Reedhead. It's on the internet. Ten shekels and a shirt. Brother Jason, if you ain't listened to that in a while, go listen to it. It encouraged every missionary. He was a missionary to Africa. And Paris Reedhead told of two young Moravian, the, the Moravian brethren from over in Europe. 
They were a praying bunch. They were from the area of Moravia, the little country of Moravia. And they got to praying every night at cottage prayer meetings, and two young men got a burden. That atheist had made a declaration. No gospel preacher ever set foot on my island. And two young men, I think one was 24 and one was 22, sold themselves into slavery. The story goes not for a four-year term, but for a lifetime. They made themselves slaves, sold themselves into slavery to go to that island as a slave to preach the gospel to 2,000 African slaves. Ooh wee, that smells like a Christian. Right. And the story is recorded that they were on the ship in shackles and their little church family had gathered on the dock to wave by and of course it was their families also and the little families and church families were weeping and saying bye, never see them again. And one of them hollered out, and this is what was recorded in the records of the Moravian brethren, and it lives to this day. One of them tried to comfort them as the ship eased away from the dock, and he said, with chains jangling, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. We're going to go get them for him, and we'll see y'all on the other side. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. That sounds like something better than a little shallow contemporary music concert and calling it church. Some little effeminate Joel Osteen looking thing giving y'all Americans a little devotion on how to feel better every Friday. And a bunch of more psycho babble seem like that's all the Southern Baptists know how to do. And half the independent Baptists is give a little old psycho babble. Little psychology therapy. A little help you feel better little devotion. That sounds like Christianity to me. Yes, and as you go, preach. Amen. What do our goals have behind it in America? Money. Go after money. Go for education. Go for a successful career. And then some of us go park. Oh, I like that go preach business. Amen. My daddy heard the Macedonian call and I was three. Boy, I love y'all's old preacher around here. I love how there's no conflict. Oh, I feel it, son. It's as clear as air. It's clear. I've known air not this clear. It's beautiful. I know he can't hear me. I can tell he can't hear me, but I'm going to salute him. He understands that. Amen. Aren't you glad y'all had some? Y'all had a daddy and a spiritual daddy around here who had a go preach in him. Not go big. All the boys, he said, let's go big. No, let's just go preach. It may be to a, the whole nation may come or the whole nation may leave. You just go preach. God may put 10,000 at your feet. He may put less than 10. Just go preach. Go preach. Amen. Well, I need to close now, but I just want to preach for 20 minutes. I got another. I told you I wanted to. Got these theater chairs and the Gaither band on the way. 
I'm motivated to straighten this mess out. You can't put this on the internet now, the only thing I'm saying. Whose church was that bringing in the gay therapy? <laughs> I like trouble, causing trouble for my friends. <laughs> it's, it's worth it watching them trying to get out. Can I say one thing? Let's go to that fourth one. I need to show you all this. Y'all got three more minutes for me? There's another go in there. There's a go thence. Do you know there comes a time to leave? Ecclesiastes 3, there's a season and a time to everything. There's a time to be born, but there is a time to die. What about that? He knew when to resign. There comes a time in your life you go thence. That means you go to the next place. Brother Jason's here tonight, and I wouldn't be preaching in South Carolina if I didn't have a go thence at the end of the decade there in Florida. God scattered us everywhere. We had them go to Maryland, go to Bible college, go to mission fields, go to pasture. Here I resigned, every preacher left but one. We had a bunch of preachers in the church. And I didn't tell them to go. God, I resigned and they all did. God scattered us everywhere. But in our scattering was ascending. Hmm. There's a time to leave. There's a time to go. Till you go thence. Now I'm going to say this, when it's time to turn loose of something God's done with, you better turn it loose. You'll never pour the new into the old. And let God lead you. Let God lead you. He knows how to take that next step. He knows how to go to the next place. He knows how to go to the next level. He knows how to cross Jordan and go into Canaan. There comes a time in all of our lives that God closes down one chapter and opens up another. My goodness, you had one of the best home churches. Spirit of revival constantly, young preachers everywhere. Church booming and growing, one of the greatest Bible teachers and preachers alive. And your ministry was under his man was flourishing. But you wouldn't be the pastor at the beacon if you hadn't known how to go thence. God took you off to a boot camp. And then God brought you out of that. And you, and you had to do it right both times. Abraham made a journey, a journey from Genesis 12 to Genesis 22. And it wasn't by sitting in one spot. We all know what church hoppers are. You ought not be church hopping. We all know what church hirelings are. As soon as the grass is greener, they're gone. I ain't talking about that foolishness. I'm talking about Elisha burning them 12 yoke of oxen and going with Elijah. And there's a day Elijah left him and he had to come back over and start a whole new thing. There are different seasons in your life and you better 
turn loose and let go and let God when it's time. And a lot of men boast, I've been here 43 years. Yep, God was with you the first 20. Right. Now you can stay in the same place and go to the next level. Sure. Right. You don't have to geographically, physically ever. A man can sit in one place and go nine different places with God without ever leaving his physical place. But when God's changing gears, you better turn loose and go with God. I watched Brother Jason leave his hometown down in Florida, go up to Chattanooga. God sent him over to Augusta, Georgia, got him a bride, and then sent him to Mexico, and he got down there and found out he'd had an uncle that's on the mission field. Something in his heritage he didn't even know about. And spent how many years? Nearly a decade in the first place over in that desert. And then God moved you over to the Yucatan Peninsula. How do you say Merida? No, I can't do that. I can't say that. And when you're down there, how do they say it? Yeah, see, that's the part I can't get. And God's put him over there now. If he was in New Orleans and got in a rowboat and kept going, you'd run south. You'd bump right into his town. I was going to try it, but I didn't have enough time. I just, <laughs> I took a plane instead. Y'all better go with God when he's changing gears and changing seasons. We hang on to the old and try to make it work. The old mountain preacher James Langston just preached for you last week. Years ago, I heard him tell a bunch of preachers, he said, the reason you ain't heard from God, he's forwarded your mail and you ain't at your new address yet. <laughs> he's forwarded your mail, but you just ain't living there yet. You better get over there where God is. Elisha had to go sit down at the there. Right. How many times did God move him? Brother, that brook, he'd have never known that brook was trickling if he wasn't sitting there. And he'd have never known about what God could do with a barrel and a dead boy if he hadn't gone to the widow's house. And, and let, you better go with God. There's time to go thence. Let God change gears in your life. He's usually trying to change you. Well, that probably should be enough. I got three more goes in here. I've been up here hour now, hour and three minutes. You want to circle the other three? Y'all wore out? I'm getting a reputation. Mmm. Mmm. Chapter nine. Hurry. Y'all going to make my reputation worse. I'm not going to preach these. I'm going to show them to you. There were four goes in that original Great Commission. Guess what? In the previous chapter, there's two goes. Thy bed, go into thine house. Are y'all seeing nine six? Look at the end of it. Go to thy house. Right. Go home. Second one is in verse thirteen. But go ye and learn. Y'all look here. I think I can emphasize this in 20 seconds. Before you can ever get into the Great Commission in chapter 10, you've got to take care of the basics in chapter 9. Go to your house and go learn. 
All right, y'all are just looking at me. You're going to make me expound it for another 30 seconds. If you don't get things right at your house and live at God's house, if you don't have the basics, the foundations, if your house ain't in order and you're not in God's house, you got no business ever being in any great commission. You go home first. You get things right at your house and you get things right at God's house. Can I get a witness? Go to your house and then go learn. You've got to have them baby steps before you get into chapter 10. He starts dealing with you about Ishmael and Isaac. You're turning down bribes from Satan in the wilderness and you're receiving cups from God in the garden. But you've got to have them basics. Did not Jesus live in the house for 30 years and subject himself to his mother and to Joseph? Go to your house and go learn. Brother Jason, we learned a lot, didn't we? I was a pastor at age 21 to 29. You were right there as our associate and everything God did in those, that, in those years. If we, if we didn't cover the basics and learn in our 20s, and God couldn't have sent you to the fields and sent me to the highways and hedges if we didn't go learn. Go home and go learn. Oh, my. Okay, there's one more. Do y'all want it? Okay. It's the first go in Matthew. It's in chapter 2. Y'all really have got to let me quit preaching. I've got to go home. i got to go study up on the Gaither band and see what I'm upset about. I ain't heard them since the last time I went to a nightclub. <laughs> I've never been to a nightclub. I want to clear myself on the internet. I've never been to a nightclub. I ain't going to clear your mess up. You've got to clear all that up. Oh, find the verse where Herod said it, the king, it's chapter 2. There's a go here. It's verse 8. <laughs> and I know Herod was speaking. I know he had some bad motives. But look what was said. Go and seek diligently. Go find that king where he's born. Go find Jesus. That's the first one. Amen. Your pastor showed that one to me. <clears throat> he heard me preach them four goes. And while I was preaching, you know him. He got to read Matthew. He's about to bust. He nearly tackled me after the service. He's stronger than I am too, boy. He come up all on me and goes, there's the first go in Matthew. Just go find Jesus. Right. Yeah. I didn't even look at it. I took his word for it. We shouted for 20 minutes. Later I went and read and made sure he's right. Go find Jesus. Oh, isn't that the point of the whole New Testament? Can I give y'all something? 15 seconds and we'll be done. The first question that God asked in the Bible. Adam, where art thou? Where is lost man? First question in the New Testament. Matthew 2. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? That's the purpose of the Old Testament. We're going to discover sinful man. Where is man that has died? 
First question of the New Testament. Where is Jesus that was born? <laughs> the Old Testament's the story of man, sin, and death. The New Testament is the story of Christ's birth, life, and resurrection. Thank God. Bow your heads. I'm going to ask Brother Montgomery to make music on the piano. Is that all right, Pastor? Brother Montgomery's going to make music. I'm going to ask you, let's come pray about our field and about our life. and Let's pray about these goals. Some of you have a go not. The Lord's telling you no on some things. Some of you are waiting on that go rather. What is it that the Lord's bringing to my heart and my life? Let's all stand and make it easy to move around. Find your place and let's pray. Go. Go preach. Some of you need to get in the Father's business and get busy about it. Some of you, God's closed down a season in your life. You need to learn how to accept the next thing that's coming. Go thence. in the wilderness.
dream. 